Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. First, I want to celebrate with the whole world, Lord, the fact that you conquered death and that you were able to be faithful to the Father and be filled with the Spirit of God that was able to raise you, Father God, from the corruption of death, from, from a body that was laid to rest dead, Lord. Your faithfulness, Lord, your spirit, your promises fulfilled cause you to come back and to come out of that grave, Lord. And now you offer that power of resurrection, that power of life, the life that's indestructible for all those who believe, Lord. And we've already tasted of this and we've already seen it work in our, in our members. We can revive and and, and walk a spiritual life, Lord, free from sin, free from rebellion and disobedience, Lord. We pray that this morning the power of the resurrection would not only be celebrated, but that it would be internalized and received in our hearts and in our families and in our marriages and in our future, Lord, so that you can call those things that were dead in God alive and well, that you would revive everybody who's here, everybody who's watching through the internet, Lord. I pray, Father God, that they would be revived that they would raise up and proclaim the glories of Him, Lord, that came, Father God, from the pit of hell to the uttermost resurrection, seated at the right hand of the Father. I pray that Your Word would be revealed and that the scales of our eyes would be removed so that we can see spiritual things this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's go to Mark chapter 9, verse 31. Jesus was trying to tell his disciples about the occurrences of his persecution, how they would grab him. And it says, because he was teaching his disciples, he says, the son of man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him. And after three days, he will rise. This is Jesus before the, the issues. I, I want to tell you something that God will always warn you of coming things if you're connected. He'll always tell you of the things that are going to happen in the future if you're tuned to His frequency. Right now, we can't hear it, but I'm sure if I grab a, a radio, transistor radio receiver, and I tune it to the right radio station, I'll begin to hear a whole bunch of things. There's a whole bunch of things in the air right now. But you need to be tuned to the Spirit of God to be able to see what God is speaking. And God has already started speaking to some of you about your future. You can't understand it. And as he was explaining to them that he was be, going to be betrayed, he was going to be killed, and after three days, say with me, after three days, he would rise. And that was falling on deaf ears. They, they didn't even understand it. They didn't have a clue. They're like, I don't know what this guy is talking about. So verse 32 says to us that very same thing. They did not understand what he meant. And... They were afraid to ask. How many know somebody like that? I want to ask my husband something, but I'm, I'm scared. Because if I ask him, he's going to be upset. If I ask him, he's going to say, don't you get it? If I, I'm scared to ask my wife something because if I ask her, she's going to go, I've only told you a thousand times. And so the same thing. Jesus, Jesus is there telling the people what's going to happen. And they didn't understand and were afraid to ask. Let me tell you this morning. There's nothing more that Spring of Life wants to do than to have you understand and be able to have you ask what you don't. 
This is a, a real seeker-friendly. We're seeking the Lord, every single one of us. I'm still seeing, seeking the greater promises of God for my life. I'm, I'm 44, and I'm going to be hopefully 45, and then 54, and then 64. I want to know things about my future, and I want to understand them. And I want God to explain them to me, and He will be faithful to do that out of His Word. And so I want to uh, tell you that Easter is all about the fact that Jesus is alive. This is that, that's the celebration. It's not just some religious uh, fairy tale. It's a reality. Jesus is alive. You don't understand it? We'll continue to explain it. Number two, not only is he alive, but he wants to bring you with him. He wants to forgive you. And, and so those two things need to be super solid in your mind. Jesus is alive. And he wants to bring you with him. And so the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is not only the fact that Jesus is alive, but there is, there is a plan to bring you back. Bring you back from the worst state of being lost. And so all this is included in the resurrection. Why do I say that? Because the Bible says, if He raised from the dead, then we too shall raise from the dead. Let's go ahead and read that in Romans 8.17. I want you to understand that. The plan is not we're celebrating history but we're actually preparing for the future. And look what the Bible says. Now, if we are children of the Lord, then we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Same things that Christ got, we will get. We inherit. If indeed we share in His sufferings, we will also share in His glory. In other words, this is just a long way to say, we are following His footprints. If we follow how He suffered, and we're able to pay the same price he paid, then the same thing that happened to him will happen to us. Let's read verse 11 real quick. Romans 8, 11. And the Bible promises there, if the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you, that's called the Holy Spirit, if your life is filled with the Spirit of God, and, and you say, well, I don't understand the Spirit of God. Look, you might understand a spirit of lust. That's why you cheat on your wife. That's why you're not faithful. And so the Spirit goes to take you to do what you wouldn't otherwise do. But when you're filled with the Spirit of God, you do what God would want you to do because you're filled with that Spirit. And he says, if the Spirit of Him that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your bodies through His Spirit that lives in you. So the more you're filled with the Spirit of God, the more you are destined to raise from the dead. If we partake in His sufferings, we will partake in His glory. If we suffer together with Christ, we will reign with Christ. So again, following His footprints. Uh, the promises of God to participate in His resurrection. Let's read Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. The, one of the greatest men of God all times was Paul. The Apostle Paul said like this, um, I want to know Christ. And know is, is be close to. I want to know Christ and be able to experience the power of the resurrection. I want to share in His sufferings and be like Him in His death. Verse 11, why did he want to do this? Why did he want to stick close to Christ? Because he says, if I stick close to Christ and I share and participate with the life then I too will attain, I will obtain, I will reach the resurrection from the dead. 
And let me tell you something, it's powerful. It's powerful to know that the same footsteps that Christ took, we are to take. Paul was to take. And, and you know something, we start from zero, because this is, this is really intensely wild. How many of you know somebody, um, you know, a close friend, that is living such a way that he might be able to raise from the dead like Christ did? I don't know many of my friends. Growing up, I knew zero. Uh, my, the only way my friends were getting any raising was when they were getting high doing drugs, right? That's as high as they were getting. They were doing drugs, getting drunk. But there is a power of the resurrection in the Spirit of God. If we are like Christ, we will raise with Christ. And so let's all start how it happened on that day, Luke 24, verse 1. This was the day that they actually heard and saw evidence that what Jesus was talking about actually came true. It says, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. Does anybody know why they were taking spices to the tomb? Because they were ceremonial uh, cleansing rituals for dead bodies to be perfumed. The women were going there because they were going to take care of a dead body. Listen to me. Jesus had many followers. Many of them were women. But none of them were able to hear about the fact He would raise from the dead. So they continued on living the ritual of death. They continued on living, okay, we're going to weep, we're going to mourn, because this is just uh, the consequences of reality. And so when they approached the tomb, verse 2, it says, when they approached the tomb, they found the stone rolled from the tomb. That big rock that covered the entrance was rolled away. And so they still don't have a clue. Verse 3, and it says, but when they entered the tomb, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. One of the most compelling, powerful evidences of the fact that this is all going to happen is that every prophet, every declared God, every messenger is in their tomb and their bones are there. Not Jesus. When they went checking for Jesus, the body was missing. And so as they saw the body missing and they could not find the Lord, it verse 4 says, while they were wondering about this, how many would be wondering, where's Jesus? What, what, what happened to his body? And so they were wondering, uh, wondering, suddenly two men in gleaming like lightning stood bef- besides them. In verse 5, what did he say? He says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said, why are you looking for those who live among the dead? You know, it would be sad for you to be going to any group that doesn't have evidence of the power of resurrection. If you're going to be around somebody, be around somebody who has risen from the dead. If you're going to be around marriages, don't be around marriages that are dying and and putrefying and coming out. Come to marriages that are being revived. If you're here this morning and your marriage has been revived, raise your hand. You say, Jesus brought us... I want you to look around. If your marriage was in the rocks and He brought it back, look at all these wonderful... Mauricio, you better put your hand up, my friend. Come on. George Delgado, what's going on? What's going on? All these living people don't want to acknowledge that God brought them back from the grave. I cannot believe this. This, this, is, this is our 
pathetic reaction to what Christ has done in us. We wouldn't be married had it not been for the faithfulness of Christ. We would not have family if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. So here the women are perplexed. They're freaking out. They're saying this is not supposed to be happening. And the men are saying, listen, if you're going to go looking for the living among the dead, you're not going to find them. Verse 6. Next verse. He is not here. He's risen. And now this is, this is the most powerful. Remember he told you? This is going to be the most awful words we hear in eternity. Hey, don't you remember God told you? And you're like, no, when? That day you went to Spring of Life. He was telling you that he had eternal life for you. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? I mean, Jesus was preparing for his death. I mean, it was going to be an excruciating death. Um, he knew it was going to be the cross. He knew they would whip him. He knew they would despise him. He had to he had to carry the full weight of the crucifixion. If you want to see a powerful rendition of this, you see the passion of the Christ, you'll see what he went through. And he knew it. He knew it in such a way he asked the Father, Father, pass this cup. I don't want to do this, but not my will be done. Yours be done. And he went through it anyways. So here we are at this chapter where they are being reminded that he told them. Remember how he told you? And you know what they said? What did he tell us? Verse 7. He said, let's read that, Luke 24, verse 7. He said, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. And he needed to be crucified. He told you guys that. It wasn't just a story. It wasn't just a, a parable. It wasn't symbolism. It was reality. And then he told you guys that on the third day, he would raise again. He told you. What are you coming here with spices to put on a dead body. You know, sometimes we get stuck on stupid. God wants to change your life and you want to continue playing with death. You want to continue to cater to death. Let me tell you something. We're living in a culture of death. I don't know if you know that. But with every death of a marriage, that's a death culture. With every death of a relationship with a father and a son that don't get along, that's a death culture. With every uh, a young man who gets a young girl pregnant, they're called unwanted pregnancies. That's a death culture. There's no life in that. There's no promise. And so he's speaking in the midst of a death culture saying that he would rise again. The power of resurrection. He says like this, I would rise again. And verse 8, thank God. And I hope you, you remember these words. It says verse 8, then they remembered his words. Then they, they were like, oh yeah, yeah, he said it. And we didn't believe it, but he was saying it. And so in verse 9, they returned from the tomb. What were they going to do? They were going to go and tell the 11 and everybody who would come their way. How sad it is that we have seen the resurrection. We've seen the power of life. We've seen the power of Christ, and we tell nobody. We tell nobody. We don't let people know that there's a reality in the power of Christ to do great big things. But they ran and told the 11 and they told the rest. How many think that the 11, let's read verse 10. It says, Mary Magdalene, Joanne, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, all the women who told these things to the apostles. How many believe that the apostles would believe the women? No, men never believe women. That's horrible. 
And it says in verse 11, not only did they not believe, they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. It's like, this is a bunch of nonsense. You, you guys don't, I don't even want to hear it no more. Guess what they did? They ran to the tomb. They ran to the tomb. This is the founders of our faith. These are the guys that walk with Jesus. They saw the miracles. They saw the blind. They saw the deaf. They saw the lame. They saw Lazarus raised from the dead. And, and they were just stuck on defeat. They were stuck on this is over. There's nothing to do. So what do they do? They run to the tomb. They check things out. The, the story didn't, didn't jive with them. It didn't make sense. But Peter rose, verse 12. He got up. It's always Peter. Peter was always wanting to experience. He was always at the front of the line. He ran to the tomb. He bent over. See, guys, I told you it was a smaller door. To get in the tomb, he had to bend over. He bent over. And he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away going, hmm, I wonder what happened. Jesus had told them. Jesus had told them, I'm coming back. I'm going to be the king of glory. I'm going to rise from the dead. On the third day, the spirit of God is going to lift me up. And Peter's still wondering. He's still stuck there. And, and so I want to tell you something. Um, people are going to doubt when you tell them that Jesus is going to raise you from the dead. You're going to tell people, and they're going to think it's nonsense. You're going to tell people, I'm part of a church that believes that what Jesus promised will come true, and they're just going to think that you're speaking nonsense. They're not going to understand it. I'm, I'm, I'm super excited because way before Jesus died and was buried and raised from the dead, he was talking about these things to everybody he met. And every time he talked about it, people got upset. People got really upset when Jesus was talking about how God would come for him. I want to show you one example here where he's talking about raising from the dead and the people, they hate his guts for it. Let's read that in Luke. We're going to start there in Luke. Chapter 4, verse 17. He shows up at church one day. He opens up the book. He starts reading. And he says, ah, rah, rah. he's reading all about the Messiah. And then he says, you know something? I am he. I am the one that's going to raise from the dead. I'm the one that's going to save the world. I'm the one that, it says, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him unrolling it he found the place where it was written verse 18 the spirit of the lord is upon me and i'm anointed to preach the good news to the poor and he sent me to proclaim freedom to prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind and release of prison to those who are oppressed verse 19 to proclaim the the year of the lord when god is going to move amongst human beings verse 20 then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened upon him they're looking at him and be, he began by saying to them today what you guys are reading about i am the reality you guys are reading about a messiah that would come i am he and so the, 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 how many think that the people started clapping and going ah jesus they hated him in verse 22, it says like this. It says, all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't he the son of jo Joseph? This is a normal guy. This is not somebody we don't know. And they asked one another, verse 23. 
And Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb, physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what you have heard uh, that you do in Capernaum, your, uh, the neighborhoods. And it says there, as they heard these things, listen what it happens next. Um, verse 28. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with anger. Why, why would somebody be upset that you say that you are a real Christian filled with the real Spirit of God, fulfilling the real Word of God, and you're going to raise from the dead like Christ? Why would they get angry? Hey, you're better than me. You think you're gonna, God's, you know, God's against me and for you? No, no, no. Listen, they were furious when they heard him say this. Verse 29, it says, They got up and drove him out of the town and took him to a high cliff in order to throw him off the cliff. That's, that's the anger and the rage that is, is in people's lives in front of the resurrection. See, the power of God, the testimony of God, the reality of God tells people, ask the people, why aren't you participating? Why aren't you getting ready for what God has prepared? Why don't you take God serious? Why don't you believe? The Bible says that Noah believed to God and he condemned the whole earth. One man believed. He saved his family and the whole earth died in the flood. Now Christ opens up the floodgates of heaven and he says all who believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ will be saved. This is the three things that, that are key components in your salvation. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord. And in John chapter 3, verse 16, it says like this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth him in Him shall not perish, but have an eternal life. And so, so I've talked to a lot of people. My best friend growing up, as soon as I heard these words and I grabbed a hold of them, I, I remember my best friend saying, Joaquin, if you ever tell me this again, I'll stop being your friend. So that's it. We're not going to be friends no more. Just because of that one thing. And I told him, guess what? I'm never going to stop talking about what Jesus did for me. I'm never going to stop. It's 28 years. I'm still talking it. I'm still preaching it. I'm still believing in it. And the Bible says those who believe this, each day they get closer to the Lord. Each day they take a little step closer. Not a little step further. Each day they get around with people that believe that the Lord is coming. It says those who love His return. Those who love, it says that, that you get prepared for that day. And so, while at the beginning, none of these men believed these things, it came to the time that, that when they began to embrace the reality, because you know what happens next, right? Let's, let's, let's read one more th thing here, because this is the storyline. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. Paul is writing this, okay? And he says, I'm passing on to you that which is most important. That Christ died for our sins just like the Word of God said. He was going to come to die with our sins. Verse 4. That He was buried. He would die. He would be buried. And then on the third day, He would raise just like it says in the Bible. Now, when are these things written? They're written thousands of years ago. More than, than uh, 4,000 years ago, they started writing about Jesus would come. He would die, he would be buried, and he would raise. And this is what Paul is writing. Verse 15. Yes, he appeared 
Um, it says, did we skip a verse? No, I'm sorry. Let's go to, let's go to verse 4. I'm sorry. Verse 4. He says, just like the scripture said, verse 5, and he was seen. The, the Peter was the first one on the scene. And he appeared to Peter. And then he appeared to the 12. Jesus started showing up after his death, after his burial. He showed up to Peter and he showed up to the 12. Verse 6. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the, the believers, the brothers that were there at the same time. Most of whom are still living when Paul is writing this letter. Some have fallen asleep. It's, 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 um, it's projected that this letter was written within uh, uh, 30 years of Christ's death. So there were still people alive that had seen that day. And then it says in verse 7, After that, he was seen by James. Then he was seen by all the apostles. These are eyewitness accounts of men who saw this reality. And verse 8 says, Then last of all, he was seen by me almost as one that was uh, abnormally born. I was, you know, like when the parent says, oops, they have a kid they didn't mean to have. And this is what Paul is saying. I also have been part of that resurrection. Christ appeared to me. And so it's very important that these men in the same chapter write in verse 14, if Christ did not rise from the dead, then all his promises are empty. If Christ did not come back, then our preaching is in vain. It's useless. Our faith has no foundation. Um, you're believing in, in, like Cubans say, they say, estás creyendo en pajaritos preñados. You know, pregnant birds, you know, that doesn't happen. Birds lay eggs. And so the scenario is, if, you, if the resurrection of Christ did not occur, we're, we have nothing to look forward to. We have no hope. But if he's risen, verse 15, uh, it says, Yes, we have found to be a false witnesses about God. For, if we, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he, he did not raise him if in fact the dead do not rise. Verse 16. For if the dead are not risen then Christ has not raised either. Verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, then our faith is futile. It's just temporary. You're still in your sins, and there is no power of restoration. Now verse 18. Then also those who have fallen in sleep, believing in Christ, nothing's going to happen. Verse 19. If only in this life we have hope in Christ, we are the most pitied of all men. If our faith doesn't have an everlasting promise, if it doesn't carry beyond the grave, I can tell you ever since I became a pastor, I've done a lot of burials. I've done burials of children, of young adults, of older adults, and then the older people. I've done all these funerals. And when I see those families that believe in the resurrection, there's a celebration, there's a joy. You know what they say? I know I'm going to see my loved ones again. There's a place reserved for me in heaven. I'm following the footsteps of Christ. Just like Christ rose from the dead and he was able to show people a glorified pod body, this body is here for the earth and it corrupts and goes back to the ground. But we will receive a glorified body, the Bible says. One that was able to go through walls like Jesus did when he appeared to Thomas. One that's able to say, I'm hungry, give me some fish. And he was eating with the disciples. All these things are in the Bible uh, told to us as a reality of this life beyond the grave. And then it says, all these things passed as a reality check, as a future hope for those of us who believe and will be strong. As we listen to the birth of Christ in Christmas, 
as we follow his footsteps in miracles, as we see his accusation, his trial, his betrayal, his being taken captive and, and stricken and plundered and crucified, as we see him uh, hanging on the cross, as we see him in the burial, all these things are, say with me, foretold. I want to tell you this morning, the same things are being foretold about the church. All the scriptures are written about the reality of the church. Nobody even knew how there would be a place. I was here on Friday night at our youth group. I invite you to come on Friday. Uh, it's our, our middle school group and, and our, our, our elementary school youth group. Well, they were all gathered together. I had a young boy who was about a year and a half old. And then I had a young girl who's like 13 years old. I had a little boy who was like seven. And then I had a girl who was like uh, 11, 10. And so you're saying, how could in one place you be sharing with, with so many different people of all types in one place under one name gathered in one spirit? And we were having a blast. We were having a great time together. See, that's the church. That's, that's just the miracle of the church. If you're not part of a church, I, I feel bad for you. You need to get part of the, what's called the mystical body of Christ. If the head rose from the dead, the body too will rise. The gathering of those that are gathered together are going to be part of a glorious lifting. And so as he was talking about these things in Luke 24, 27, it says after he raised from the dead, he found two guys super depressed and they were walking down the road of Emmaus. And he came alongside of them and began to talk to them. And listen what he says. Beginning with the first books of the Bible, Moses, and then all the prophets, he began to explain to them what was in Scripture concerning himself. I don't know if you could do that about yourself. Can you start with Moses and then the prophets, the Old Testament, and then go into the New Testament and declare all the words written about us, the church? We have to. We have to be able to tell other people that God is not a forgetful God, that there's a game plan taking place about what God's going to do with those who believe, those filled with His Spirit, those willing to walk like Jesus walked. The Bible tells about Jesus being born of a virgin. He tells them about what tribe He would be born, the town He would be born. He talked about the wise men that would visit, the shepherds that would come. He talked about all the, the youth that would be killed during the time of His birth. He talked about his ministry. It talked about how he would come and be rejected by his own family. It talked about how he would enter Jerusalem and, and be received in a triumphant coming. All these things are written about Jesus. It talked about him being falsely accused. It talked about him being slapped. The Old Testament talked about how he would be pierced in his hands and his feet. How they would gamble for his clothes in Psalm 22 verse 18 how he would be pierced on the side, how he would raise from the dead. All these things are written. I want to tell you something. He said it before he, it happened. In John eleven twenty five, 25, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, would rise again, would live forever. Could you read that with me together? Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. He's talking about him. I want you to be able to say, I too believe and I will rise. I too believe in what God has promised and I'll be part of that resurrection. Sometimes I even give myself a little push. I wonder how it's going to be to take off, to soar in the heights. I'm one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. If you know Pastor Joaquin, you'll know that all the verses in the Bible are his favorite. 
In 1 Thessalonians 4.17, it says like this. It says, we too will be caught up into the sky together with him. Let's read that together. After that, we who are alive and still remain, who are left, will be caught up together with him to meet him in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with him forever. We're going to be part of this glorious lifting up. You don't have to get high no more. Get filled with the Spirit of God. You're going to go up. I I guarantee you. Acts chapter 1 verse 9. When they sat there and saw Jesus after His resurrection go up into the clouds. Acts chapter 1 verse 9. It says, after He said this, He was taken up before their very eyes. It's like, ooh. You don't have to see that guy that levitates six inches, man. You can see Jesus Christ just going up into the clouds. Up into the clouds, and they were watching him. And the clouds began to hide him from their face. In verse 10, it says like this. Hey, they were looking at him intently. I don't know if you've ever seen a helium balloon go up high. See how high you could see it, you could see it, you could see it, you can't see it no more. And they were looking up in the sky, and he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Verse 11. It says like this. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken up from you into the heavens, he's coming back the same way you have seen him go into the heavens. You're going to see this very same thing. And how glorious it will be that day when Jesus returns. How glorious it will be that day that we partake on what we're listening to this morning. To perfect your walk with Christ is something that you can do. To ground your children into this reality is something you can do. I was talking to a man last week. He says, I have a lot of money. I said, you're a poor fool. He says, why? I says, because you're old. You're 74. You're going to die soon. You'll be dying pretty soon. And then what will you have? Nothing. What will you leave your children? Just a lot of stress. But you're forsaking the kingdom of God. You're forsaking the the word God has given us to tell the whole world about this reality. Do your children know about the resurrection? Does your family know about Christ? You should be coming to church. You should be getting around those that believe. It's a strong place to be around those. I used to compare it to ice skating. When I used to ice skate, I used to always be on the ground, but then I would grab onto somebody that knew how, and I would be able to go and not fall. The same thing with Christianity. Get around someone who loves Jesus Christ, who wants to be ready for His coming, who's not going to compromise, who's not going to be mediocre. The word mediocre means you half believe. You half believe. Let's stand this morning and say, Lord, I want to get closer to You. I want to walk like You teach me how to walk. I want to know that I will be a part of what You're doing upon the earth. I'm going to be part of that glorious people that, you know, again, the life of Christ was spoken of. He lived it and it was fulfilled. I want to tell you, the church, it's the, the, the word of God speaks about the church. I want to tell you, we're living, we're living what the Bible says the church is. Not a religion, not a denomination. Who the church is, those who love Jesus Christ and love his return and are preparing for it and know about it. These are not the people that, that come to church on Sunday and then Saturday night they go get drunk. These are not the people that, that have extramarital love affairs. These are not people that are being unfaithful. 
They're inviting the Spirit of God to come with the power of resurrection to, to revive their entire lives. To be full of that Spirit is an awesome thing. And while these people did not believe and they ran to the tomb, I want to tell you something about Peter. Peter ran to the, uh, to the tomb and, and he checked inside and he saw it was empty and he wondered what happened. I want to tell you, Peter became the powerful apostle by believing in the resurrection. It wasn't the cross that made the difference. It wasn't the death at the tomb that made a difference. They all continued to go back to their same lives. But once they got grabbed a hold of the resurrection, their whole lives changed forever. They begin to live to go share this reality to all humanity. They begin to live. And, and Peter even wrote things like, there will come a time where people will make fun of the Lord's return. He says, in the last days, this is Peter, the one who started out not believing, he believed so much, and he wrote this in his epistle. Um, let me find it for you real quick. It's very important. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 3. Knowing this, that mockers will come in the last days, they will walk according to their own desires and they will say, where is the promise of his coming? For we've been hearing this story ever since our grandparents have fallen asleep and our parents have died already and all things continue as they were from the beginning. For this they willfully forget, Peter writes, by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth is standing out of water. By that which the world was existed and perished being flooded by water. But the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word that speaks of these things are now reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Verse 8. But beloved, do not forget that with the Lord one day is a, th a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise as some count slackness, but He's patient towards us, towards us because he doesn't want anyone to perish, but that all men should turn, repent. And you say, Lord, I'm glad. This might be the last Easter. And I want to be among the number of those who believe in what you've done upon the earth. At one time in the Old Testament, it was hard for these people to even think how Jesus would die and raise from the dead. And they were looking from far. Abraham saw from far and he put his trust that that was going to happen. And that was his salvation. This is people that, that were looking ahead of them at Christ, dying, being buried and raised by faith. Now you and I get to look back of what happened. And we see Jesus live. We see him die on a cross, historically proven. We see the account of his being buried in a tomb. And then we see him raised from the dead. Can you put your confidence on that this morning? The Bible says, if you confess your um, if you confess with your mouth, we can read that in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, listen to this, very important. Please listen very carefully. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the most simple thing there is in the world. I live to be able to introduce people to this salvation. I want to tell the whole world because I know that this world is coming to an end. But there is a, an unshakable promise 
that's fulfilled in Christ. Can you bow your head and pray with me and say, Father God, say it out loud. Father God, I give you thanks that 2,000 years ago, you sent your only son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to die on a cross for the forgiveness of my sins. Today, I ask your forgiveness. Father, I'm sorry. Forgive me all my sins. Wash them away with the blood of Jesus. Today, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Teach me your word. Fill me with your spirit that I too might fulfill your word and be raised up with Jesus to sit on his throne and to reign forevermore. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.